Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought Iron Maiden was a heavy metal band. <laughs> I'll drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We've got a very interesting show coming up, so I'm very glad you joined us, and I hope you are too. First up, I would like to announce something that has technically in the real world already been announced, but damn it, I want to do my own announcement on this because I have been waiting for this as long, if not longer, than many of you. Synapse Films has finally announced the release, the street date for The Kindred. Ladies and gentlemen, this is December 14th of this year, 2021, is the street date finally for the release of The Kindred. A few details. It will be a limited edition steelbook, three disc, a Blu-ray, a DVD, and a CD. And this uh, steelbook is going to be limited to 3,500 pieces. So 3,500 units will be sold. It is a 4K restoration. This restoration was done after the original one was done. There was a lot of legal wrangling that went on, and by the time it was all done, Don looked at the restoration he had done the first time around, realized technology had gone forward enough to the point where he could do it much better, so he did do it better, and that was for our benefit. It is the unrated version of the film, and of course it will be accompanied with plenty of extra features. It will be region-free, so you can play it anywhere in the world that you're listening to. For international orders, go to DiaboliqueDVD.com. Of course, you can also order it domestically here in the United States. You can also go to SynapseFilms.com and order it there. Why would you do that, you ask? Well, a lot of times if you order it from the Synapse website you get the titles, the units, much earlier than the street date. So something to keep in mind if you are anxious, as I am, to get your hands on The Kindred. So again, The Kindred, it is real. It is happening. It is being released. The street date is December 14th. Pre-order yours now. Remember, you can email me questions at tim at synapsefilms.com. Be glad to read them, answer what I can, and some of them I will try to answer on air when I'm talking to Jerry, especially at the beginning of the show here, which will be coming up momentarily. And we actually do have a question sent to us by a friend down in uh, Australia that Jerry will be answering. And there was also one sent to us by Cody Marion, and he writes, Please do a full episode on your immaculate restoration of Suspiria. The release is legendary, arguably the best 4K release ever. Thank you. Well, thank you, Cody, for writing the email. And of course, yes, we will be doing 
an episode of the podcast dedicated to the Suspiria release. I would hope to be able to have that episode out by later this winter, further into the winter. I'd say maybe after the holidays. We'll see. But thank you so much for the kind words in the release, and I tend to agree. That's probably the greatest restoration 4k or otherwise that i've ever seen myself so again cody thank you for writing in again anyone else who has questions uh for the podcast tim at synapsefilms.com okay so now that we have that out of the way let me tell you about what you are in store for on this episode we're going to be joined by synapse films team member dave kosanke the writer, everything, the creator of legendary fanzine Liquid Cheese. He's going to be on here very shortly, and we are going to discuss the Synapse Films release of Massacre at Central High. But first up, as we do on every episode, we check in with co-owner of Synapse Films, Jerry Chandler. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Tim. What's happening? Uh, Jerry, I tell you what, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, the convention season now over? You guys have just gotten back from Cinema Wasteland, is that correct? That is correct, sir. We had a, uh, a quite a momentous, like, four to six weeks. We did the three shows, Chicago, then Cincinnati, and then Cleveland. And I got to tell you, all three shows were uniformly excellent for us anyways. Uh, I know the uh, Cinema Wasteland show was a little interesting because a lot of the guests canceled. They really didn't have very many guests. But Cinema Wasteland isn't really a guest show anyways. I think people in the industry call it a vendor show, mm -hmm. which makes it so wonderful because uh, I got to tell you, we've been doing that show for 20 years. And we had, by a large margin, we had our best show. So clearly the people in Cleveland seem to miss their uh, Synapse boys. The fun factor didn't miss a beat. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, this hotel's changed hands a number of times, it seems, over the last few years. And it really got away from the original uh, Cinema Wasteland where you hang out in front, you party and whatever. These new people, I, I don't know, they, they took over the hotel on Saturday. It's now a Best Western instead of a Holiday Inn Select, but they seemed very friendly and very amenable to people just having a good time. So I'm looking forward, to, really looking forward to the next Cinema Wasteland. It could be like old times again and... Uh, Again, I urge people who are like overwhelmed by the super large shows, give this one a taste. I had some friends of mine from uh, Pennsylvania who've never been to a horror convention at all. They drove in to, to spend Saturday at this show and they just went on and on and on and on about it. They, they had so much fun. It was crazy. So nice. what a show. I mean, we, we would never miss... A cinema wasteland, we would never miss a flashback. We would never miss a horror hound. These these people really know what they're doing. They really know how to put on a show and, and make sure that the, the fans have a great time. Wasteland is a great show, and I do agree with you. I, I call it a movie show, and I know that seems obvious because of what we're talking about here, but some shows seem like they are, uh, as you said, there wasn't, uh, some of the guests uh, weren't able to make this show, but it didn't seem to really matter that much to the show at large. 
And some shows all. and some shows are definitely they lean heavy on those guests to get people out and stuff. Wasteland to me, I call it a movie show because I'm a movie guy. I'm a movie nerd. So I always tease when I go to that show, I have to bring my hard hat with the lamp on the front of it. Because I really got to get down the weeds and start looking at people's stuff and everything. At the end of the day, Cinema Wasteland was always the vendor's show, the dealer's show. And what do I mean by that? Before there was a billion shows, it would kick off the season in yeah. April and it would end the season in October every year. Mm-hmm. Now there's shows that come before, there's shows that come after, but it didn't matter. And so the you know the the guests were always on the lower end of the scale, mm-hmm. and the vendors did well. You went there, you sold your shit, you made your nut. Usually the first day, mm-hmm. you're happy, you're partying, you're either getting the the year off on a good note or you're ending it on a good note, and it was just a happy, happy show where people just partied right and that was far different than the others i mean yeah you party at, at flashback and horror hound and, and everything but it's it's giant mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you kind of know, almost know everybody at cinema ways right right you know what i'm saying and there's a certain difference Okay, so you have horror hound and flashback on one hand you have cinema wasteland on the other and they're they they represent very different styles, but they're perfect at what they do. Right. So those are always the ones I'm going to recommend to people because they're the best shows. They're literally can't miss shows. You go, you'll have fun. If you don't have fun, then maybe this is not for you. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, it definitely has. It's an intimate feel. And I love that. And most of us movie fans uh, we're, we're a little, we, we have our moments where we can be a little introverted. We, we all have uh, a basement dwelling, uh, uh, pieces of our persona, let's say. And I think that show really is, it's more intimate. People do seem to know each other, even if it's just by face. And there's a lot of traditions and things that are fun at that show. Uh, so hopefully fingers crossed that keeps going because as far as I can ever remember, you're right. As long as I've been doing shows, which is almost as long as you guys, those are the bookends. The beginning of the year and the end of the year is Wasteland. Even though I've only gotten to go to a handful of them because it's a long drive for me. From St. Louis, right. we're talking about 10 hours. So, But on the other hand, it is the only show I ever went to just for fun. I have, I've only been to one show to go just for fun with I don't have a table, and that was it. And I will never regret doing that. I had a ball when I did it that one time, so it's a good time. Now, the other thing is uh, at your table – uh, you had guests on this podcast, including one that's going to be coming up right after you. You had my pals helping out again. You had Ryan Rock and Rollson and Dave Kosanke, right, at the table? Well, you know, he's very sensitive about the pronunciation of his last name, and, and you got it wrong. It's Dave, go spank me, Kosanke. <laughs> You have to make sure you get the ghost spank me in there because he gets very sensitive about that if you omit it. Okay, let me write that down. Dave, go <laughs> spank me, Kosanke. I'm sure he's going to love hearing that here in a couple minutes. I will definitely, I won't get that wrong. I don't want to offend Dave on his his first time in the show. But uh, as, as, I've, as I've told Dave many, many times, you know, uh, Don and I are a mixed bag, and he's going to have to take the good with the bad. And so far, 
I think everybody's been very, very good at it, and and Dave is no exception. So, uh, kind of sorry, Dave, but not really. <laughs> right, right. So, I'm sure you guys had a good time. You cannot have a good time at at Wasteland. And was there some copies of Demons and Demons Two that were there pre Street Date? Yes, we oh. were able. We were able to get a box of each in directly from the replicator. They can They literally arrived that morning that we left for the show. So <laughs> it was, it was amazing. And as Don said in his interview in the uh, fifth podcast, yeah. that, you know, that's one of the things, if you order it directly from us and, you know, you know, the only reason people would do that is to support us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause we're by contract, we're contractually obligated to have the highest price. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the retailers, the stores, the websites and stuff, they don't want us underselling them. And that's perfectly understandable. So we're forced to sell at full retail. However, we do give free shipping. We generally don't charge tax unless you live in Michigan. And our service is incredibly fast. And that's one of the things. If we get it early, you'll get it early. If you order directly from us to some people, it's worth it to some people. They don't care because they want to support us anyways. And to other people, they want the best price they can get. And that's certainly understandable. So they will order then from whoever has the best price, whatever city we, we go to, it seems like there's a certain number of people that will only buy our stuff directly from us. And those folks certainly showed up in Cleveland and uh, we did pretty well so any day now i'm looking for some uh, reviews to start popping up very good i know you love the artwork and the packaging and stuff are you pleased with with what you uh with the finished product absolutely it's just it speaks for itself i mean listen you know to those people who know us i, I really don't have to say anything but it's outstanding and i i just saw a tweet yesterday some review site just said now that's how you do packaging. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you very nice. So, well, I'm glad it was a. I'm glad it was a good weekend for you guys and a, a successful weekend. Very glad that demons came in on time. You got to bring that. I I have a friend who was who was there, Cameron. Hello, Cameron. And uh, hi, Cameron. And he uh, he was so excited to get those. Those are his favorite movies. Those are his favorite movies. So he he actually does a podcast, Cinema Degeneration. So if you guys are looking for another podcast to listen to, he really gets down in the weeds with one movie every every episode. So good good time. And sometimes, Jerry Chandler, I am a guest on that show every now and then. Hey, what was the name of the podcast again? Give it to me again. I'll write it Cinema down. Cinema Degeneration. So cinema degeneration. Degeneration. Yes. Okay. Yeah, listen Got to that. it. So, uh, speaking of podcast, Jerry Chandler, uh, a gentleman from Australia who uh, actually is involved in a podcast called Indicator Cast. They discuss the UK uh, label Indicator. Uh, had a okay. question for you. All right. Yes. So he emailed a question. He is enjoying the podcast. His name is John Matthews. Thank you very much, John, for that for the kind Hi, words. Hi, John. He writes, I'm a big fan of the Nakatsu titles. I was wondering if Jerry plans to keep the line going. Outside of Japan, there are no English-friendly releases and no other labels have interest in releasing them. I just hope they sell well because I adore the Nakatsu films 
and seeing everyone Impulse has released. Uh, so basically the question is, are you going to keep the Nikatsu line going? I got to tell you, that is such a great question. It's amazingly great. And it's funny because we didn't discuss this beforehand or, or anything. No. You know, and it, it'll give me a chance to elaborate a little bit on Nikatsu. You know, Nikatsu is a very, that line is very dear to me. Partly because the people from Nikatsu, you know, they're so wonderful. We dealt with a lot of Japanese companies because when we first got into the business, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, around there, you know, Japanese horror films were the rage here in the U.S. And there were a lot of companies putting them out. And these companies were extremely unpleasant to deal with. And they remain so, you know, uh, they'll lie to you on materials. They'll ask you an important question and not respond to you for a month and a half. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, on and on, I could list how, how terrible I think a lot of Japanese companies are to, to even try to deal with. Mm -hmm. Nikatsu was not that way. Uh, the first salesperson came, and when I expressed interest, he flew to Detroit from Japan to meet me. His name was Tomo, and we love that guy. We still send him stuff, but wonderful guy. Then he got replaced uh, by somebody, I believe it was Tommy, and then he got replaced by, I think her name's Yuko, and then she got replaced because she's pregnant and she's having a baby or just had a baby and oh, she got replaced. Mm -hmm. But every one of these people are so sweet. They would come in and visit us and everything like that. So I love those people and I love the line. What, what, what people really notice when they start dipping into the Nakatsu films is yeah, they're erotic films, but they span the gamut from a romantic movie to a comedy to a, a violent murder to a horror to this to that. What they have in common is the great writing, the great acting, and the performers. Almost all these performers from the 70s and 80s went, and directors and producers went on to bigger, shall we say, more legitimate films in Japan. So they didn't grind these out like uh like porn nothing like that every movie was was really worked on hard and the movies are great and people realize that when they finally start buying them and actually reading them for the subtitles you're not really going to buy a nakatsu film for the same reason you'd buy a peep show collection mm -hmm. if you know what i'm saying yes mm-hmm so we love these movies. Now he brought up, I hope they're selling well enough, uh, you know, for you to continue the line. Well, we've done 46 titles and, and Don right now is working on the final Nikatsu title in our existing deal, which is, uh, I think it's rape 13 hours, okay. which will be called something else. Cause you can't put rape in the title. So mm -hmm. it's probably going to be called sexual assault 13 hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we moved distributors from a West Coast distributor that was very, very bad to an East Coast distributor that seems to be very, very good. And we've noticed our sales picking up across the board. 
We haven't seen a huge increase in Nikatsu yet. Nikatsu has been a very poor selling line for us because Amazon decided, some person at Amazon decided to pull the entire line because she didn't like the themes or whatever she was seeing on a cover. Forget the fact that it's R-rated. There's no hardcore, there's no frontal nudity, there's no pubic hair, there's nothing like that. Right. The entire line got banned from Amazon and there's nobody to talk to. <laughs> Seems unfair when other companies actually sell hardcore mm -hmm. on Amazon. But what are you going to do? You right. might as well shake your fists at the sky and and expect God to come down and it, <laughs> it, it ain't going to happen. Right. Right. Well, so well, real, real quick too. That something you brought up that that bothers me a little bit because explain a little bit in case people are not familiar with the Japanese erotic. You kind of touched you touched on a little bit there. They have different rules, don't they? Like with their with what they can show. Am I now? I'm only going off what I know. I'm no expert either, so I'm asking they you. They used to. Okay. They used to. I mean, all right, this is, you know, for those of you, you know, who are offended by discussion of erotica, I would suggest turning down the volume a little bit because we're going to discuss it. Okay. In the 60s and 70s, maybe even into the 80s in Japan, they had these laws that would not only would not allow frontal nudity, but if you showed even a pubic hair, Everybody would go to jail. The theater owner, the theater patrons, the producer, the director, the actors, they'd haul everybody off. So what the, what the Nikatsu people and other people making movies in Japan, what they would do is to avoid any chance of that, you know. Uh, first of all, they came up with artistic ways of shooting that is very erotic, far more erotic than American porn, yet shows nothing. Mm-hmm. Wrap your mind around that if mm -hmm. you can. But <laughs> right. if something got close where they thought, uh, is it a shadow? Is it a pubic bush? Is it what? What is it? They would then burn the negative oh, wow. to make sure that nothing illegal was showing because they didn't want people arrested. Now, you can see that in like we have a movie called Entrails of the Virgin. Uh -huh. It's a straight horror film with lots of nudity. That's in there. That's from Japan. There's people are saying, well, you say it's uncut. Why is there still this digital? We said it's it's not digital. It's actually burnt on the negative. And there's no way around it. That's how they did it to avoid going to jail. I've asked my Nikatsu reps. I said, well, the laws aren't that way anymore. They go, no, you could show anything now. I said, so why is new Japanese porn, why is it still censored and fogged and stuff? And he said, because we spent so, so many years uh, creating, you know, with our limitations, creating this erotica that the they feel Japanese men, it's more erotic to have things digitized and, and not see it than to actually see it. I try and wrap your mind around it. I know I'm not coming off particularly articulate, and I no, apologize. I know exactly what you're saying. They're, they're basically the men there. They're used to that. That's that's what they've 
they've grown right. up looking. And, and, it's and, and, it's and, it's sort of like when they say like uh, people. There's eras where men or women of a certain weight are seen as more attractive than other eras, and the era they went through with that, with with the the pornography, if you want to call it that, but they're erotic films. Let's say yes, I always remember that they would have like a a fig leaf, someone holding off camera, holding something in front of genitalia, basically, or any kind of penetration, and and you, so basically, what you're saying is that the Japanese men got so used to that. And that became part of their eroticism that they want to see that now. That's my understanding huh. from what I was told. I would com- I would compare it like this. You know, most normal red-blooded American males like porn, I, I'm guessing here, but I, I know I certainly do. And I know what I like to see. But if you take that and then you go to a, a college and you get a gynecological medical film where what that's not what you want to see or it might be what what you want to see but it's certainly not the way you want to see it right right you right know? right it's not the same thing <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah, right. them i'm guessing that's what the gotcha. feeling is like gotcha. it's like wait a minute this, there's no eroticism this is just gross or, or crude and right. i guess i right. don't share their opinion but then again you know it's just me so anyways to circle back you know if our sales pick up i will certainly uh grab another 10 or 20 titles from the katsu i pretty much have anything available to me so if the gentleman uh from australia would like to send us a list of what he'd like us to go after or anyone else Please let me know. I mean, that's how we got raped 13th hour. There was a a guy, I don't know if he's in Norway or Finland or wherever, but he sent me an email. He said, I'm a huge fan. Can you try and get this movie? And that's how we got it. What's the email address that, that uh, they could send to ask you that? Just through the website? Yeah, I would go info at synapse-films.com and just say, uh, Dear Jerry. And then the person who 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 get, retrieves all those emails will forward it directly to me. Great. So to wrap up, I guess the the question or the answer to the question, you have one more title of the Nikatsu coming out and you are definitely open and it's possible that if the titles are available to you that you definitely are interested and would like to put more out. So uh yeah. Yeah. Great. Yes, okay. we need we need people to send us recommendations on titles, and we need uh, we need people to buy them. <laughs> right. We need to see an uptick in sales, right? And then we'll go out and get some more. But uh, they, it just if things don't pick up, I'm I'm going to say, eh, you know, probably not. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, like I said, we just started with our new distributor and the. The differences are fairly startling. Right. So when you, if you're looking for these titles, uh, I do believe your, your latest one, is it Star of David? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I do believe, isn't that most recent one on Amazon? Available? It may be because uh, our old distributor was too afraid to question Amazon. And they would never resubmit anything or, or question them. And when we asked why, why don't you stick up for us? He would say, oh, you don't want to rock Amazon's boat. You know, they might decide not to deal with me at all. And then you have nothing, you know, all that crap. Right. You know, 
So this new distributor, they're resubmitting stuff and we'll see. We'll see. You know, if 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 it sells through Amazon, if it sells well, we'll know right away. Right. We'll know immediately. Right. And then if it does, you know, we'll we'll go back. So I'm not saying it's a dead issue. I'm saying it's very much alive and it's all there in front of us. Um, just let's, you know, if, if people order, <laughs> if they like the net, they got to vote with their feet. They got to sure. actually buy some things. And if we see, see the sales go up, even by a small amount, we'll lock in at least 10 more Nikatsu titles. Well, I see here a star of David, beautiful girl hunter is available for, uh, on Amazon, which is good from Impulse Pictures, uh-huh. and uh, but if you're looking for other titles and you can't find them, or you see, it seems like they're thin, the suggestion that I have, and I'm sure Jerry agrees, is to go to Diabolique, or go to is I don't know about Deep Discount they carry them or not, but I do know Diabolique does for sure. Uh, so yeah, just look around those two other places. If, if for some reason you feel like you're not seeing a title from Synapse, go go to the Synapse website, of course, or then or you can also check at Diabolique. And deep, deep discount as well. In order of preference, we would prefer that you go to our wonderful people who distribute for us. We love that, you know, Diabolic, a Deep Discount, whoever. There, there's lots and lots of, of people who have our titles on their website. Buy from them. If, if you can't find something, you could always find it on the Synapse website sure. and you could always order it from us. But, you know... We like you to support the people who work with us. Sure. You know, just, just order, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so there you go. So John, uh, one more title coming out and, uh, there possibly is more in the future. Uh, look around and, uh, tell people to buy them, tell people to buy more. And that's a good, good, a good reason for a company to put more titles out if they're doing well. So pretty, pretty standard issue, uh, economics there. Right. Well, Jerry, thanks so much again. As always, every episode, talking to me and the friends and fans of Synapse. Right up next, we are going to be talking to our friend Dave. What is now Dave Gospanky Kosanky? No. Oh, damn it. I'm going to write this oh down. Oh, my God. I know. I no. Know. It's Dave Gospank me Kosanky. That's what I said. No, you said go spanky, like from the uh, Little Rascals. You're giving away your age there, Tim. I was mush-mouthing a little bit there. <laughs> no, no, you are, when you say his name, you're actually requesting him to spank you. Okay, very good. Um, so make sure you get that right. I will, I will for sure. So, well, we're going to have Dave go spank me, Kosanky, up next. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of... Uh, Massacre Center High. But until next episode, Jerry, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you then. See you soon. Bye, everybody. As always, thank you, Jerry, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to myself and the friends and fans of Synapse Films. And thank you so much to John Matthews from Australia for writing in the uh, question about the Nakatsu titles. And thank you for listening down under. Now we're going to turn our attention to Dave Kosanke, the creator of the fanzine Liquid Cheese. So here is our conversation about the Synapse Films release of Massacre at Central High. 
like to welcome to the podcast Synapse Films team member himself, Dave Kosanke. Hello, Dave. Hi, Tim. Uh, so now Jerry Jerry Chandler told me something, and I, and I have to apologize to you. So apparently he told me I've been mispronouncing your name. Jerry told me that your name is now pronounced Go Spank Me? Yeah, well, that, that's that's Jerry for you. He's He's kind of got it a little bit wrong, but that's okay oh. because it came from him. So I'll let it go. <laughs> Okay, just checking. So I'll I'll just no. say I actually got your name pronounced right, Jerry. You're wrong. It's not go spank me. I'll let you take that up with Dave Kosanky. So anyway, yeah, thanks. So, so Dave, thanks, thanks for clar- thanks for clarifying. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm here to please. <laughs> I'm here to yes, clarify. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so give me a little background before we get because we're gonna be, we're gonna talk about uh, Massacre at Central High, which is a more recent release here at Synapse, but Talk a little bit about yourself, how you got started in this whole genre, and how you kind of got here to be the uh, team member here at, at, at Synapse. My uh, my journey kind of goes back to growing up as a kid, just being into like horror movies and uh, everything. Like uh, like I think a lot of people were back in the day. Um, so for me, I, I got really interested in. Um, magazines when i was a kid i started uh subscribing to fangoria magazine in 1984 and uh from there i just started to read about all these different films and um the video tape explosion kind of coincided around the same time and kind of concurrent with that there was an explosion of underground fanzines like horror fanzines that were starting to proliferate uh, around videotape releases. And there was all of a sudden all this access we had to movies and stuff that we may have only read about or heard about. Right. But not, not really had seen sure. up until that point. Uh, so I started my hand on kind of like writing a fanzine myself. I started in 1993 and I originally called it psychoholic slag and I, didn't even think that it was going to go anywhere. It was basically just something I uh, was doing for myself just to kind of see how I liked it and what I wanted to do with it and just basically playing around. But what I ended up doing was I ended up sending a copy to um, Michael Weldon, who was doing psychotronic video Mm -hmm. uh, fanzine out of uh, New York City. And surprisingly, he actually put it in his fanzine section of his magazine. So it was all of a sudden, you know, it was out there. So all of a sudden, uh, I started to get, um, people who were writing to me. And by this time I had changed the name. Um, psychoholic slag was actually a white zombie song. Okay. And I kind of, I kind of feared like it would be a copyright thing. I'm like, well, I don't want the, I don't want the band or the record label or whatever coming after me to for copyright infringement or whatnot. So I changed the name to liquid cheese and that was, basically uh, a phrase that I had heard on an episode of married with children where they were, uh, Al Bundy was, was, was watching, was watching a fake movie called something like breast monsters from Mars or something like that. And he goes, he's watching this movie and he's like, Oh, now, now they're going to, the breast monsters are going to battle the liquid cheese. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where it just clicked. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, there's, there's the name. So that's kind of how I got the name liquid cheese from. How many, how many issues of that did you actually put out? 45 holy 45 issues when was your last issue 2018 wow so three little about three and a half years ago so uh 
yeah, 25 years. I mean, so that wow. was that was a long a long run, and um, kind of through all that is in a roundabout way it ties back to the synapse uh, because I was so heavy into this fanzine uh, world at that point. Um, I there was one name that I started to read here and there popping up was Don May, Don May Jr. Um, the first time I read something about Don was in an issue of video watchdog magazine and um what they had uh, back back in the early issues early 90s this was fans would write in and uh talk about like video releases or even at the time laserdisc releases just eyeball news like hey i found um a brazilian copy of this movie that's five seconds longer than the u.s cut you know it's like right news like news like that of like just different editions of different films or whatever. And I remember Don, the first time I saw him, him publish, get something published on that was he was referring to an uncut version of the original Friday the 13th. I remember he had mentioned that, um, some country, there was a release of that, that had, you know, the extra, the, the murder scenes were longer or whatever. And I remember that, that kind of struck me at the time because I was a huge fan of that movie. So I was like, Oh wow. You know, there's actually a, a release of that out there. You know, I, I got to hunt that down. And that's kind of, that's kind of how things were back then. You know, when you heard about something like that, you tried to find it because a lot of that stuff was being edited for home video here in America. So Right, and there was no internet where we could just jump on. No. And, and so no. this was pre-internet. So this is all stuff we do daily now just by popping our computers yeah. on. But back then, we had to write letters, yeah. make phone calls, and reading these things in yep. magazines and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, so that's that's kind of where that, that whole thing started. And then um, Don would occasionally... Uh, put something in and just mention about, you know, this release, this movie about whatever. And then a few years later, I'm guessing this is, I'm not exactly sure of the year, but I think it was 93, 94, when all of a sudden I hear that Don, and then he had his business partner at the time, they had started their own label called Elite Entertainment. And they had announced that it was going to be solely devoted to horror and cult releases. So at the time, this was, and this was going to be a Laserdisc company. So at the time, this was like probably the biggest news any fan could want to hear because at that, prior to that, there was no specialty label that devoted it solely to that genre. Mm -hmm. So nobody was doing that. It would be like companies would put out a title here and there, but right. nobody was going to, nobody was going to invest their time, money and effort into something supposedly that was, you know, disrespected by, you know, the mainstream labels, but Don did it. And I remember their, their first release was the original night of living dead. And that was, um, a huge thing in the, in the fanzine community. And I remember he had, he wrote an article for video watchdog specifically about that release about night of living dead and how he put it together. And so that, that was mind blowing because I was a big fan of Laserdisc at the time. And I, I remember ordering that disc and then kind of from there, they just went and they put out like all the big releases, you know, the horror films throughout the mid nineties that, that, you know, you could think of. Right. Uh, that's how I really became familiar with Don. I mean, that was just like, it, it was the greatest thing to be a fan and to just have these editions uncut, uh, you know, extras. I mean, it, it was the whole nine yards. I mean, they, they definitely spared no expense. So then cut to a few years later when uh, he broke, broke off with his partner and then Don went on to form uh, Synapse Films with Jerry. Mm -hmm. 
And I, re- I remember they had, they were just, the, the, the Laserdisc market was kind of petering out and the DVD market was starting to really take off. So they got into that. I was supporting that, obviously, right from the start because I, by that point, Don May was a name that you could trust. And it's like, well, hey, you know, anything this guy's involved with, I'm going to be behind 100%. So right, right. I, I, was bu- I was buying all the Synapse titles too right away. I'm like, you know, again, everything they, they put out was just like amazing. I think their first release was uh, Document of the Dead, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. George Romero documentary on Dawn of the Dead. So, right. and, and then they put out Dario Argento's World of Heart. So all of a sudden, you know, all, all this great stuff started coming out again. And then by that time, I was starting to go to the horror conventions. Horror conventions were really starting to pop up. And um, there was uh, different vendors at these shows. How I got started at becoming like a vendor was, uh, and I know Jerry had mentioned this on uh, one of the prior podcasts. Mm-hmm. But there was another another company called Exploited who were uh, a video distributor. Mm-hmm. Not a distributor, but basically like a vendor who would sell movies from all over the world. And I remember Tony Simonelli was the, was the guy behind that. And, um, I started to see him at the, uh, cinema wasteland shows. And he was actually had a small section at a flashback weekend show in Chicago, oddly enough at the synapse booth. Uh, but prior to that, I was where I started working for Tony because, uh, I would go up to his table and, uh, I would start to talk about all the releases. And I think people who were like standing next to me were kind of like, Hey, this guy kind of knows what he's talking right, about, you know. Right. And I, I, you know, I, yeah. I started saying to Tony, "Hey, why, why can't I get behind the table?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So right. yeah. I did that. I did that. You know, did that with him for a couple of years, and then he decided to get out of the that business end of it. And then uh, Don and Jerry from Synapse were set up. This was at Cinema Wasteland. Their table was set up across from the Exploited table, and I think they kind of just knew me as being a fan or whatever. And then. Right. One thing led to another, and then Jerry's like, "Hey, you know, you wanna you wanna work for us? You know, basically come behind the table and um, sell the movies." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." You know, because I, I was already familiar with their product, and I was pretty much buying everything they released. So it kind of just right, right. It, it was it was it was an you know easy thing to kind of fit into that, and then right. So I've been doing that ever since. Uh, so when you see Cinema Wasteland shows or Flashback Weekend shows, those are those are the two that I join the synapse team at the table and you know help sell their product right well and then so and then you gave me a couple of uh of issues of liquid cheese uh by the way it's a fantastic it's a fantastic magazine absolutely fantastic oh, and now now you've yeah. given them to me i'm going to ask you a question you're probably sick of you're probably as sick of this question as don's getting sick of ask being asked about the kindred which has been announced now <laughs> finally yeah, uh, yeah are yeah, you going right. to do another one are you going to do any more liquid cheese uh issues no, no, okay. I, I, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no, no plans on that. No. Okay. All right. But, but I did notice when I was reading through them that clearly you had established some sort of relationship with some of these labels, including Synapse, because you had a lot of their titles that yeah. you were reviewing. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, uh, your pal, uh, also guest of the show and Synapse team member, Ryan Rock and Rolson, uh, he yeah. kind of contributed. Uh, to that a little bit too, yeah. didn't with some of the music because you had a lot of music in the in the magazines too. It wasn't just movies; it was art, uh, movies, right. music, and and a lot of uh, pop culture. Might be not the correct term. Yeah, I, I, no, pop culture is good. Okay, I, I, okay. I tend to, you know, I mean, it was it was a fanzine, so you know, to me, it was just like anything goes. I didn't really right, right. Um, 
you know, if it was something that I was interested in or whatever, I, I kind of threw it in there. I mean, the, the, the subtitle was movies and music to mangle your mind. I mean, that's kind of always what, what I called it. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the jumping off point. But I mean, you know, I, I would go off into different tangents every now and then and just kind of talk about whatever kind of oddball stuff. So, right. If, uh, if anybody's interested in listening, is there, is there anywhere they can go to get any back issues though that you had done before? Yeah, you can go to uh, Store Envy, storeenvy.com, and then just do a search on Liquid Cheese. It's under the Store Envy website, and they have a, uh, a section on there where you can buy uh, Liquid Cheese, fanzine, okay. uh, whatever back issues I have available are still uh, up there for order. Awesome. So. Great. Great. Yep. I, I, I highly recommend people go and check it out, especially if you're – well, if you're listening to this right now, we'll just say I, I highly recommend that you go – Check that magazine out because it's definitely up your alley. If you're a Synapse fan, you're definitely going to like this this magazine. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the reason you're here today. We uh, we were at Flashback together, and I believe isn't that where you picked up your copy of Massacre at yes. Central High, the beautiful steel book yep. that uh, yep. that Jerry and Dan yep. have put together here. Uh, now, let me ask yep. you. So, when you brought that home and watched it, was that was that the first time you'd seen this movie? No, okay, actually, okay. that was that was actually technically the second time that I had actually watched it. Mm -hmm. um, I assume you saw the VHS that had been yeah. out years and years and years ago. With the the big wasn't like a big box with a skull in the front of it or something. Or well, he, uh, there, there's actually an interesting backstory to a Massacre at Central High mm -hmm. for for me for me as far as home video. Um, Going way back again, this is probably like mid eighties. I, I I can't remember the exact year, but I'm guessing it was probably eighty six, something like that. Um, okay. We 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 didn't have uh, one of those like luxurious video stores by the house that you know rented everything. I I, I didn't have access to that, so I wasn't privy to um, seeing a lot of this stuff like firsthand, like some fans were. Mm -hmm. So I had to see. I had to seek out. Uh, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, a gray market or even, you know, bootlegs, because that was the only thing I basically could come across. Mm -hmm. And back then, uh, there was a local flea market by our house called the seven mile fair. And I, uh, amazingly at this time, <laughs> you could never do it now, but back then somebody had a table where they were literally selling blank videotapes of movies they had recorded. They had dubbed, you know, from a pre-record so uh -huh. it was just basically like like a dupe right but they were selling you know they were selling them and <laughs> right. i remember they had they were they were recorded in lp speed so they could fit two movies on one tape and um i remember looking through some of these tapes and they had some uh, just two movies in particular that i was like dying to see and one of them was dr butcher md and the other one was gates of hell because i was just like a unrepentant gore hound you know so i'm like uh, i gotta see these great movies but and i don't remember which one it was but i think one of them had massacre at central high on it as like the other film i had i had no idea what that was but the, the, the name sounded cool i'm like ooh, massacre at central high you know that sounds pretty pretty ex pretty extreme right but i but i think what what had happened was is i i i threw it on and i probably started watching basically like the opening sequence opening credit sequence and all of a sudden uh, this horrible music comes on and i'm like i'm like i'm like what is this i mean you know i i i, I had no pay i had no patience back then i was uh -huh. just like let's get to the let's get to the gore the violence or whatever and i'm right. just like i I, di I didn't buy it for that film anyways so i kind of just like glossed over it so i'm like 
well, whatever, this, this isn't anything I'm interested in. Right. Uh, so what happened was, is I recorded over it. I put, uh, whatever, some other film I recorded over the tape, but I remember, remember over the years, there would be like a couple sections of the film. I should say sections of the videotape where the videotape, whatever I recorded would end. And that there was a snippet of the original film that would pop up for just a couple seconds. And I remember always seeing these explosions and I was like, wow, those, those explosions. I'm like, that kind of looks interesting. You know, I'm like, I bet that was from that massacre essential high. And then, then all of a sudden I didn't think of it until years later. Once I started reading magazines, reading about film, all of a sudden uh, cult movies, just pop up like certain titles, you know, that right. you had to see him. Right. Massacre Essential High would always come up every now and then. I'm like, oh man, yeah, I gotta, I gotta give this one another shot. And so years later, uh, I came across at another like movie memorabilia show. Someone was selling, and again, these are like just basically bootlegs, but right. now it was DVD. They had a bootleg of Massacre at Central High. It was DVD sourced right from video. And so I bought it took it home and watched it and i'm like okay you know now that i'm a little older this is a little bit now i can kind of understand right you know right. why why this film you know because I, I was more used to different movies and different genres and stuff so i was kind of like okay i can put it into perspective and i kind of see why the film has a notoriety but that was the thing it was super hard to find it wasn't like the film ever had a big release and it wasn't like widely available so i think a lot of people weren't familiar with it just because it didn't have, you know, a high profile, like a lot of this other stuff. So uh, a couple of years later, when I was working uh, with Don at the synapse table, I remember he told me, he goes, Hey, uh, Renee Dalder kind of approached me with his film massacre at central high and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in releasing that? And I remember when he told me that I was like super excited. I'm like, Oh, you, you guys are going to be doing massacre at central high. That's, that's going to be like awesome. You know, I'm like that, that's so like, just it was great news so yeah, right perfect yeah right so yeah once i got my hands on that steel book and took it on the watch it was just like incredible i mean it's like the, right. the best presentation you could possibly hope for and so that i think would kind of cement it home as being you know a film that people need to see because here you got this presentation that's like everything you could possibly want and right right, right there so and that's the thing too because a lot of these movies especially that one uh the kindred which is coming out soon too is another thing where we only had it on vhs there really wasn't a dvd yeah. release where we could even see a clean widescreen anything of this where yeah. a lot of the blu-ray releases we get i think we're speaking the same language where Oh well, well I have a nice nice DVD, so I'm looking forward to the Blu-ray coming out. But I'll wait for right. it, you know, or I'll buy it the week after it comes out, maybe, or I'll pre-order it. Not a big deal. This is a movie when yeah. you announce it, you're like, oh boy, I'm getting that right. before it goes out of print, or something happens, or something, right. you know. Something. Right. And and this is definitely one of those as well. And it's only, you know, when you have a movie like that, it's only been available on a VHS. Now this isn't like a big special effects bonanza or anything. No. But no, I, I it, it's when I look at Don's work on that, I'm I'm absolutely blown away because yeah, it just looks perfect. It doesn't look overcooked. Yeah. It doesn't look undercooked. Yeah. It doesn't look. I mean, everything seems like it's it's perfect. You can definitely tell he may have agonized and stressed over it just a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit if you right. think about. It. I mean, because it's it's gorgeous. Right. It's beautiful. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yes. and the thing is too is that it's 
it's so it, it's so cool that it comes out from VHS to that because it's such a stark, stark difference. Um, and the thing is, is there's not much more to say about it because it isn't Suspiria with all the colors. It isn't this. It isn't that. No. But it's definitely no. It looks gorgeous and beautiful, and definitely what the fans of that film have been looking yeah. for. I I. I had a couple of friends here in the St. Louis area who were a little older than me, and they were. I'm by a little older. I'm like three or four years. Uh, but back uh, when you're back when you're 20 and in your teens, that's kind of a little bit of a bigger deal. But they also had a lot more access. Uh, they lived more in the city. Let's put it that way, and they had a lot more okay. access to some of these titles and stuff. And so one of those friends yeah. turned me on to this film. But admittedly, I had seen it on the VHS uh, shelves because I, I was lucky. I had a couple of cool video stores around me. They were rural, but they were yeah. mom and pop stores that had, they knew how to pick the movies from their distribution. They, they said, yeah, even though those are cheap, those look interesting. And I think the guy that ran one of these places himself was kind of a closet cult film fanatic. He would never talk about it. He was a very proper, well-dressed guy, yeah. but the titles he had in his yeah. store and he had laser discs. Like he had zombie oh, yeah, on laser disc. He had Night Living that's Dead. Cool. Yeah, so he had yep, everything. Yep. And uh, so you yeah. knew he was he was one of us. You, you could kind of tell. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But he kind of turned me on this film, and I got to tell you something that you said kind of is is kind of perking me up a little bit because it's like when I saw it, I was like, I think I had seen it before. Once I started watching it, I saw Andrew Stevens. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. I saw Daryl yeah, Morey yeah. and everything. I was, I've, I've seen this yeah. like maybe once on late night TV or something, or maybe I'd rented it before or something. But watching it again, I'm like, it's weird. It's interesting, but it's weird. And I kind of brushed it aside. As I get older, yeah. I like it more and more because yeah. maybe tell me if you feel me on this. It uh -huh. feels like a movie about adults for adults told through the prism of a strange, bizarre high school world that I don't recognize whatsoever right. at all. Because right. it's almost right. like a Greek tragedy with... Yeah. You, I mean, it's very odd. The whole timber of the film, the whole atmosphere has like a Shakespearean kind of thing or like an old tragedy or drama type of thing very old world feel to it and i know the dialogue was written by renee dalder who's dutch uh right. so it's mm -hmm. sort of like the guys from canon trying to make movies for for united states people when they're from israel right and they kind of lose right. a little bit of the culture there right. i'm not even sure that's what this is it just feels so different and it's almost screaming at you saying watch me closer i'm trying to say something else yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes 100% sense because I, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength because that's the way I was. You know, when I first saw it, um, I was, you know, whatever, 20 years younger, whatever. It was just like I enjoyed it, but uh, watching it now, you know, the, the Synapse version, like you said, you're older. It's like now I, I kind of get more of the it's subtext, if, if you will. You know, there's definitely more of a political angle if you will, that, that's going, that's going on there. And it's, you know, I, it, I really thought about it. Cause I, after I watched it, I was just like, I was trying to think, I'm like, how would this, how would this play off today? You know, what's the, what's the, like the thing that could tie it into, you know, is it, is it relevant today? Is, is that, are the ideas in that something that was, you know, time capsule to 1976 or, you know, could you, could you, 
kind of apply it today. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, it's totally relevant today. It, mm-hmm. the, the whole, I mean, it's a pretty simple idea when, when you look at it, the, the whole context of in high school, you know, the bullies. And I mean, I, I think most people, maybe not everybody, but most people when they were in high school encountered bullies. I mean, it was kind of part, part and parcel of that experience. And I, I know I, I saw it, I experienced it to a degree. Um, and that, that's the central theme. I think of uh, the film is that the character of David comes in and he sees that, you know, there's this click that, you know, with Aunt, led by Andrew Stevens. And he's just like, Hey, you know, we, we were friends from back, whatever. Why don't you join our click? But when he sees what they're doing, they're basically just bullying all these kids, you know, just terror, terrorizing them physically and mentally. And it's just like, he wants no part of that. And he basically more or less squashes them but then realizes in, in turn, what he did is he empowered the people who were, who were once bullied. And then now that they feel empowered, they are bullying right, right. other people. So they, they become, they become the very thing that they were hate, you know, that hated in the beginning. So exactly. it's, it's kind of, it, you know, that, that dynamic changes and um, you can apply that today as well, because now you see various groups, people who, uh, feel marginalized for whatever reason mm-hmm. and the whole social media thing comes in and people who feel like they were being picked on because of whatever how they look how they act whatever now they come in and see somebody who might be disrespecting or somebody may be seeing as bullying them and they just want to pile on them right and all of a sudden they pile, they pile on they pile on and say we we don't want you to exist or we we want to take your power away from you and it's kind of you know roundabout way kind of the same idea of what sure. the what what the characters in that film you know experience because right. it's a total 180 and that there's that character of david who is kind of like this i mean he's basically a psychopath for lack right, of a right. word but he fe- he feels like they need to be eliminated yes. so he goes okay i helped you out once now i'm going to help you out again by just getting rid of you you know where where you you need to go and so that basically becomes his mission. And it's that, that dynamic change where it almost is almost like a film with two halves where it, the, the, the tone changes like, and it's just, it's very fascinating watching it now. And I'm like, okay, I, I totally get it. It's, it's such a interesting idea, but it's also, if you think about it again, a very simple idea because yes. it's base, basically bullies. And, it, and again, I think most people watching this can relate to that, especially in high school, because that stuff happens all the time where you got these clicks that, you know, think they can wield the power. And it's just like, uh, sometimes somebody can come along and prove, prove them, you know, prove them wrong and say, Hey, we got to put a stop to this, you know? Right. Right. And there's, I feel like there's like a, there's an animal farm thing going on here. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Where you become what you hate, as you said, Uh, that's definitely the way Mm -hmm. that that's, that is the most simplistic way of putting the moral. This movie is, be careful right. becoming what you hate or what you fight against. Yes. And that's that's yep. there. Yep. But there's something else. And I don't think – I'm wondering if it was ever stated because I still watch this movie. And I know Renee Dalder was Dutch. I know he wasn't from the United States, American. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know his, his uh, life experience was different in a different culture and everything. But I still watch this mm-hmm. movie and I'm like, there's something that's not been said here. There's some kind of mm-hmm. like like in his mind, I can almost feel as a as a musician, as a as a songwriter, as an artist, as someone who creates something, 
I'm looking at this uh, going, wh- what's not stated here? Like, even in special features, which is brilliant on the Synapse release, by the way. I love the, the making of it. That's always a nice yeah, little yeah, yeah. extra on these, yeah. on these things, too. It's a really great making of and a very they get they really get the cast together too which is kind of cool i always like seeing that but yep so you you the, they don't even mention this too cuz you you can kind of tell they were all kids they were yeah, doing what right. renee said they were glad to have a job they didn't see any of the right. subtext basically ever themselves they no. if you even watch that they're talking about the little mistakes in the film doing this and that and i'm looking at this going first of all the dialogue is more stilted than than stilted. It's different. Right. It's so right. weird. It has to be on purpose. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. the story, yeah, there's animal farm, but it's almost as if it's not being stated by anyone. It's not being said. And I am not versed in, like, Greek tragedy. I'm not versed in, like, Shakespearean stuff. But it almost feels yeah. like this is an adaptation of something ancient like that. And I, I don't know what it would be because I'm not versed in it, but I'm looking at this going, this is not... There is something so deep here. Uh, this is not even a high school. It doesn't feel like no. a high school. It's brought no. up in the. It's actually brought up in the in the special features too. Until the end, there's no adults in the movie. Right, right. There's no adults in the movie, and it's like that's why right. I think these are adults. These are we. These are this movie's for adults to vicariously live through kids and say, we went through this in high school. Are we still doing this to each other as adults? Yeah, sure. In a way, that's kind of what I felt. But it's it's almost a little maddening to me going back and watching this going, what's really going on here? If if nothing else is proof to that, by the time they get to the, what is it, the alumni dance at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What right. mm-hmm. the hell? Just what the hell? And the whole thing, you're watching this movie and this scene comes on and these yeah. people are laughing, dan- and it's like, what what I, I you know what I want to see I want to see the behind the scenes I want to see the direction of that scene what the right. hell is going because it's hilarious right and it's right. about the most yeah. uncomfortable thing whoo, that I've seen it is so uncomfortable yeah it well when when you're watching the film and up to that point too you know for people you're 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 just kindly just observing like you said the whole the whole idea of being no adults and you're kind of like well that's that's strange, you know, because there's all this like madness and chaos and stuff going on. You're like, man, there's not even a police officer. Right, not exactly. Even, yeah. You know, this 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 stuff is happening in the school. Like like the, the big scene to me is when the kid goes in the locker and he basically gets blown up. Right. And it's all of a sudden, you know, they, they kind of act nonchalant, like, oh well, you know, like 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 okay, that that like they're just used to it. Like you know, okay, you know, that's an everyday occurrence. So. Right. Right. But but yeah, when you get to that dance, it, it it's like weird because all of a sudden, oh, where where did all these adults come from? All of a sudden, they're just like they're just like there they they do hint in it uh in the back uh in the special features though where they somebody said that uh they feel like maybe that was a budgetary thing the fact right that they you know which well you know for a, maybe that's what it was but um yeah. or or something something else i thought of but i i'm pretty sure it's just you know it's reaching at the time because i think uh that film was in 76 and i thought of uh carrie uh-huh. Came out in '76, but you know the whole thing with the the prom, you know the big dance at the end, right. where there is like um, you know. But I'm like, I'm sure there was no correlation there because I'm sure both, you know, both films were probably shot around the same time, so it's not like they were, you know, using that as whatever from, you know. Right. But right. it's just it's 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 interesting when you think about it because if you look at you know big you know high school things you know big scenes and 
uh, cinema history, when you talk about, you know, high school stuff, you think of Carrie, you know, Carrie's prom is like right. iconic, you know, that, that's right. so you, 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 you know, it's in a roundabout way. I was but I'm like, no, nah, there's no, it's just, you know, incidental. It just both films end up, you know, ending on a, a dance that right. ends, you know, tra- tragically, you know, for lack of a better word. Right. So. Right. It's just so strange. Like how the move, the arc of the film is one of the most unique ones I've seen in a film that does not, it's not winking at you. No, right. And that's the thing. I don't feel like the film, like a lot of these movies, like if you, I don't know, if you take a a more zany movie, like let's say a trauma movie or something like that, where it's clearly, yeah. it's clearly trying to push your buttons and trying to do, this is like so layered and has so much right. depth to it that I think you right. could probably watch this movie the rest of your life once a month and still find something different and strange in it because right. it's like you feel comfortable but not super comfortable in the beginning because you're like, okay, well, there's a kid coming into school. He knows the main bully. So they want I get it. So they want him on their team because he's kind of a tough guy too, or he knows right. how to take care of himself right. or whatever. So I get that. And I get him like picking on the kids, but man, are they sadistic for what seems like yeah. no real reason. And then right, the, exactly. and the kids seem to take it. And what really is disconcerting is when they assault the girls. Oh yeah. Sure, and that right. seems a little bit like, um, I think they would, the girls would maybe take that a little more serious. Um, right. I know it was a long time ago, but I think our perception and reality are a little different that that was still a no, no, <laughs> you know, like oh, back, yeah. back yeah, then yeah. you, you touched a girl and she's going to smack you across the face. You're going to get in trouble, you know I mean? Especially right. at school or something. And then you have that, that, and then you think, okay, and then you're watching this movie, and then once the bullies kind of are, are almost at the end meeting their just rewards, the way it turns and the way that the, I guess, the nerdy kids start bullying back is just bizarre in its own right. And if for nothing else, the example of the overweight kid, mm-hmm. where he's just right. using his like thrusting ability to check people downstairs Right, and you're looking right. at this like, is this a is was David Lynch on set? You like direct, yeah. like second unit directing yeah. this or something? Because it's just it's just weird, but it doesn't look weird. Right, it, it, right. It, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The, the movie to me is so fascinating. Uh, I actually mm-hmm. call it a Shakespearean slasher film. Sure, sure. Uh, the movie's made incredibly well. It's shot really well. Uh, the mm-hmm. acting is really good. Yep. Still absolutely uh weird as hell. Do you actually yeah. like do you, do you like this film and what what do you like about it most? I would just say it's it's the 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 story, you mm-hmm. know, the whole the whole or lack thereof whatever. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> right. it, 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 but it, it it it's a foreign it's a foreign take on an American high school as I I guess more or less, you know, that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Um cuz you could compare it to um a lot of the other teenage high school, whatever exploitation films from around that era. And it's, there's nothing quite like it. You know, the, like you could um, pair it with, let's say class of 1984, if you've ever seen that, yes, you know, which is absolutely. like a, re- a really, a really like violent, like, you right. know, super, super grim, but also kind of like a slightly outrageous, you know, to take on, you know, or you, you could look at um, something that's like super fun, like rock and roll high school, you know, which is just like uh, you, you throw in the Ramones and it's just like, you know, but, but it's the whole thing too, where it's just like, 
the the idea of the kids rebelling against you know in, in that film anyways it's like their teachers you know the adults and whatever and again you strip all that away in massacre at central high because there are no adults there are yeah, no I, like right there, there, there are no authority figures so there's the, the the kids really in a lot of these other films that's who they're rebelling against is they're rebelling against you know the elders and uh it, you know uh government society whatever right and then in, in, the, in this one there's none of that it's it's basically they're just doing it amongst themselves and it's just it, it, it's that kind of oddball like story that definitely gives it gives it the kick right because if you were if you were again if you were basing it on a couple different things if you were basing it on just the title alone massacre at central high you know you you might be expecting something different you know if you if you're just if you're just going in and saying oh you know this this is like um a, a play on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example. You're 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 going to look at that and be like, oh man, there's going to be a complete slaughter. You know, there's just going to be mm-hmm. blood and guts or whatever. You know, and and it's not really that. So you 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 kind of look at that, and I think in a roundabout way, that's one of the detriments uh, is that title because a lot of the people and there's a lot of fans, um, critics and stuff of that who were big big fans of that. Uh, I, I I I was doing a research on a on the film and I stumbled across uh, an old episode of sneak previews, uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. And they, they included that film in their guilty pleasures. And I remember um, Roger Ebert had mentioned the, um, he called, he called the title sleazy and cheap. That was how he described, you know, the, the name of the film. And, you know, a lot of the other people, again, because, you know, it did get some critics who were singing its praises, but I, you know, I think some of them again were like, well, that title, you know, it's not maybe indicative of the actual contents is that, that right. title. You know? And I think that the title mixed with that opening, you know, we're at the oh, yeah. crossroads that, that music. of your life. It's, yeah, I mean, it's like, no, it's, it's, it's terrible. It, it it's sets terrible. you, I think it maybe is part of what is, because a damn movie is all confusing. It gets you discombobulated, mm-hmm. confused. You don't know yep. what kind of atmosphere it needs. It's almost as if this movie planted the seeds for like pump up the volume and Heather's that came in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. As well. It's very similar. It's a quirky, you you don't want to laugh at it, but it's funny. But, but, and and this movie has a lot of hilarious moments that I mean, the, some of the, uh, like the, the hand glider scene when they go into power lines and it's a dummy and his arms are flapping around and you can't help but to laugh, but then you can't help but to think, well, that's horrible at the same time. You know, and then uh, not only an animal farm thing, there's also like a like a pump up the volume Heather's, but then there's a Lord of the Flies, yeah, uh, take right. on it too. It's all these classic things kind of put together that I really do think set the seeds for what I would call the more uh, protesty kind of movies in the '80s, which I think pump up the volume and Heather's and stuff were kind of pushing back against a little bit more of uptight society yeah you know um because it was pretty uptight back then i'm not saying not going politics up but but really the attitude was a little more uptight than a lot more yeah yeah um but yeah yeah um, yeah right yeah so i actually the older i get i love this movie and it's 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 highly it's highly recommended by by me i mean as well but you got to go into it with an open mind realizing don't think you're going to see something exactly the way you've seen before. You're just going to see something in a package that looks familiar. Right. But where these characters go and the atmosphere in the story is, is completely different. 
One thing, though, also that is brilliant about this movie, too, is that given all of this stuff and given the year it was made and everything, it doesn't break the cardinal rule of any movie, including exploitation movies. It's not boring at all. No, definitely uh, not. Yeah. Definitely uh, not. Yeah, even if you're confused, you're not bored. Or if you're like, what the hell? I mean, you're either right. going to be dying laughing, tilting your head going, what? Or yeah. it's completely engaged. Yeah, I got really nothing bad to say about it except that it's bizarre. And if you don't like bizarre stuff, that's really the only thing that would hold me back from recommending it to you. But again, Dave, you know, people are listening to the Synapse Films podcast. I think they, I think they may have a taste for the bizarre, right? I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. So, what are your final thoughts on the on the film itself? I just think it's a uh, well. I think thankfully now with that steelbook being out, I, I know that it's reaching like a wide audience, probably a wider audience than had been ever before, just because of the availability of it. And there's a legit definitive version of it. So I'm hoping that it's going to find a whole new audience now, and people will be like, oh wow, you know. Because even even at the convention, you know, I, I hear a lot of people are like, well, I've never heard of that. You mm -hmm. know, it's kind of like you, I, I get two reactions. I get either one where people are like, I've never heard of that, but, you know, uh, I want to check it out. Or maybe I hadn't heard of that before I bought it. But then after I bought it, I was just like, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you got people who are like, man, I've been waiting for this forever. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so they were like uh, they were like happy that it was uh, finally available in the definitive version. So it's kind of like you get, you know. You kind of get both both sides of it, but right, right. I'm I'm just I'm just excited that again, the more people are finally going to be able to see it. Right. I guess that because because I know my experience, you know, growing up, it was not an easy film to see. It really wasn't something that had this you know glorious release that everybody's like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, I think it kind of just for whatever reason just got buried right uh, amongst a lot of other stuff. And it was the people who had seen it knew how good it was. But it was just a matter of finally seeing it. And then you're like, okay, now I see what all the fuss is about. You know, it's one of, one of those type of things. Right. You keep peeling back those onion layers on that on this movie, and you, you'll find another one. And good for multiple watches. Very good for, for multiple watches, for sure. All right. Well, Dave, thank you so much. And uh, am I going to see you again next year at Flashback? Yeah, I'll be there. Excellent. You can count on that. All right. Well, then mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna see me and Angie again at flashback, so we'll have a good time there together, as we did this past oh, yeah. year. Looking forward to that. And then yep. uh, till then, you have a good, a good happy and safe holiday season. We'll see when the convention season starts back up again. All right. Sounds good, Tim. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Once again, thank you so much, Dave Kosenke, for taking time out to speak with myself and the friends and fans of Synapse Films. I enjoyed our conversation about Massacre at Central High, and do not forget, everyone out there, go look up and get yourself at least a couple of issues of Dave's very, very good fanzine Liquid Cheese. If our conversation about Massacre at Central High piqued your interest, by all means, you can find it on the Synapse Films websites and other retailers. And do not forget, December 14th, The Kindred. Street date. Finally. And I am excited. Frankly, I'd crawl 10 miles to wrestle a bear to own that Blu-ray. It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time 
for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. I'm tired of being upset, always want something to never get.